0: coming back to our roots we started Glenridge down here at the hall down here and be back here again. I love the space. I love the idea of small beginnings. Uh, I love the idea of uh, little seeds being planted. Uh, sometimes we get seduced by the big and the, the amazing but the little things you know, sometimes you you take your bride on your day of marriage and you head off into your honeymoon. It's just the two of you in 20, 30, 40 years there's like 15 of you. I think uh, Terry Berger's got 15 grandkids, you know. There's a tribe, and God uses small beginnings to continue a big story, and so it's just good to be here, and I trust that your heart is full of faith this morning. I trust that you are expecting for God to do something with you. So I'm going to talk to you out of Matthew 9 this morning, and um, it continues on the theme. I am a little prophetic. If If I can free will, I've had to learn how to teach. I'm not a natural teacher. I'm a I more just love to free will and to talk and to dream. And that's the kind of guy I am. But um, maybe I can just start off uh, Matthew 9, the calling of Matthew. It's something of our mission and our lives. But I just want to say this is that one of the things that I think a lot of us misunderstand is, um, and it's something of the beginnings of the faith, is Jesus comes to um, get involved in the lives of people. And of course, he comes from heaven to earth. It's called He is called Emmanuel which is God with us, which would, was, of course, getting crucified, that he is God who has become man. And they said, if you say that, we're going to kill you. And he said, well, that's the truth. He could be Messiah, he could be healer, he could be rabbi, he could be prophet, he could be, but don't say you're the Son of God. And so what he does is he comes to earth and he walks around the planets and he begins to get involved in the lives of people. Um, but actually, the, you've got to flip that over completely to understand the gospel is... Jesus getting us involved in his story. One of the things that we do is we keep on saying, Lord, come into my space. We we're all a bit broken. We we're all a little insecure. We've got issues. We've got problems. And in fact, the people were sick. They were confused. They were hurting. Um, and the idea was, you know, son of man, have mercy on me because the guy was sick or he was blind or he was leprous. And Jesus, of course, would go into all those places and he would heal them and he would touch them. But the, but the essence of the gospel, you've got to flip that over and say, actually, God has come to call you and I into His story. We want to call, call God into our stories. So I remember when I got saved, I said, okay, God, these are my dreams, these are my ambitions, these are my wants, these are my greeds, these are my needs, this is my personality quirk that I want you to fix, I want this, I want that, I want a cool wife, I want you to get involved in my life, and He did give me a cool wife, but... Um, But actually, he says, no, you actually, if you really want to live, if you really want to experience the Messiah, I'm going to bring you into my story. Because imagine Jesus fitting into every single little story and running around like this genie trying to make everybody happy. And he says he takes all of us and he takes us out of and into. And so part of it is. I was quite confused. I thought the Lord wants to fix me and he wants to make me all holy. And he wants to, yes, he does. But beyond that, he wants to invite me into, and you, into something beyond yourself. And if you track through scripture so you can prove and think through what I'm saying, it's fine to do that. I used to go home and think, what did that guy say? Is it the truth? Is he talking rubbish? What is that about? Like, you know, I used to go home to listen to uh, after some preaching and think, that actually was a lot of rubbish. That does not sit with me and so you, you're it's okay for you to go back and think is that the truth so let me go back to Genesis let me think through what the guy said because there's no use we seducing you or talking stuff to you that you think ah, that's all about building something for the guy but so what I'm saying is I'm pointing to Christ and he's inviting you into a meta-narrative into a big story the story is beyond you and it's beyond me amen Actually, you know what, guys, our lives are so small. If we if you dive into our lives, my life, you think, oh, all right, so you know how long we spend an hour, two hours? Okay, keep going, keep going, and you think no, that's all I've got. But into the life of Christ is a much bigger life, and that's what invites you into. You think, well, when I'm holy, or, no, he doesn't. He says, Come follow me. The essence of the gospel, mission. Is come, I'm going to take you out of and into. So let's uh, turn to the Gospel of Matthew and pick it up in Matthew chapter 9. And um, it's part of the, the, the Sermon on the Mounts, incredible, 5, 6, and 7. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's great to read every six months to go back and read it. And then you have Matthew 8 and 9, which is the link between the Beatitudes, the great sermon, and Matthew 10. He now sends them out. But what he does. In the two chapters Matthew 8 and 9 he begins to show the disciples how to live how to do this stuff so let's just pick it up um, in uh, Matthew chapter 9 verse 9 the calling of Matthew and uh, he says this as Jesus went on from there he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collectors booth follow me he told him and Matthew got up and followed him while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house Many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Huge. On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy you need a doctor, but the sick. Go and learn what this means. And, and um, you can go and do some homework. It's actually good to go, go and learn. So some people understand something immediately. They get it. Some people think, no, no, he's eating with tax collectors. He wants mercy, not sacrifice. Go away and learn what this thinks, which means it's okay to go back and think about it. It's okay to go and buy a book. It's okay to go and read the scripture and think, what what does this mean? Okay? And so in all these texts, you can go away and think, what was he doing with tax collectors and sinners? And so... Let's just look at this um, this story. So point number one, come out. You're invited to a great feast, a great wedding, a great salvation story. All of our lives, I've just been with family members um, in Mauritius, funny enough, and they have these lives of affluence and travel and big homes and everything. It's very cool and I have no problem with it, but actually it's very small. And so I want to say to you, come out of Smallville, our little lives, our little egos, and coming to the invitation of the grand story. It started thousands of years ago, it'll go into eternity. So I want to say that the invitation, um, this is a small pulpit, for I'll try so that I can stick to my notes. So in this, I want to talk about three things. Invitation, but in the invitation there is a priority, there is a proximity, and this is from Keller, I've borrowed it, and then there is a a a call so there's a priority there's a proximity and there's a power or a call what's the priority this is the priority he says to matthew um, sitting at the tax collector's booth follow me matthew got up and followed him so if you go and have a meal with somebody that's sitting with a pager and the the pager or in the old days or the cell phone goes off and they say excuse me a minute you think it's a bit rude and they go away and they, before in my day, they used to have a page, you used to go beep, beep, sorry, my page has gone off. And they would say, listen, um, sorry, man, I've got to leave the dinner or the table. I, I'm, I'm on call and I've got to go to the hospital or I've got to go to the factory or I do ambulance work, I've, I've been called out. Or I'm a pastor, somebody's about to jump off a building or somebody's been in an accident. And so the, the issue with Jesus is he has priority over your life. You feel a bit bummed because you think, gee, this guy just got up and go. Actually, Jesus says to Matthew, follow me. He gets up immediately and he follows him. One of the things to know whether you're a believer is whether you're called. You can't call yourself. There is no ability for you to... You see, many people think, uh, it's like you know, I'm going to support the Sharks or the Red Sox or you know, whoever team you put, or we're going to support Federer today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to become a Christian. You, you cannot just become a Christian. The only time you become a Christian is when Christ calls you and He says, "Follow Me," and you respond to that. That's why many people think, "Okay, well, too, we better. We have got three kids. They 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 swear. They half kill each other. We better go to church to bring up our kids." Well, so you go to church and say, "We are Christians." Well, many would argue that. You can't just decide to become a Christian. The only way you become a Christian is if Christ calls you. And if you're sitting here this morning, it means he's called you. And when Christ calls you, you've got to leave something. Amen? Matthew had to leave his tax-collecting booth. In fact, Peter was throwing his nets when Jesus called him. Zebedee and his brother were mending the nets and it says immediately they left their nets with their father and the father's servants and they followed Jesus. The essence of Christianity is the call of God. And if he calls you, something radical happens inside of you. Something of the awesomeness, something of the power, something of the Holy Spirit, like you saw last night, begins to grip you. I remember it took me a long time and I thought and I went to meetings and there were some crazy things going on. And I watched and I thought, I don't want this. But I kept on being called, phoned, come to. Remember people would begin to prophesy. That guy in the back row, God has a word for you. I, think, I don't want a word from God. Remember a guy walked up to me and said to me, can I pray with you? I said, I don't want you to pray with me. Remember saying that? I chased him away. I said, don't want you to pray with me. But as it were, the Spirit of God was tracking. He was calling. He was zooming in. He was saying, follow me. And so what happens is when... You receive, and the day that that transaction happened, when finally I surrendered to the call of God, I said, I now yield. I now have got a glimpse of Jesus. He then has priority over your life. Somebody say amen. Where your life no longer belongs to yourself, you've been invited to the master's uh, agenda. a powerful thing, friends. This is a powerful thing powerful thing and it's almost as if once you surrender actually the journey begins and you begin to maybe even resist that you might even resist that think, i know lord i don't want to go here i don't want to go there but then he begins to the call remains and we learn to yield more and more and more even to this day i'm still learning to yield to the call of god what am i going to fulfill my journey my call or his call Goodness, he's the sovereign ruler of the universe. Whose would you rather have? My little world in 28 Hillside Road with our little agendas and our little family histories and our little hidden secrets or the call of God? Once the call of God happens, you know that Matthew was not the guy that you should have called. In fact, Matthew, who's the worst criminal in South Africa right now? We don't have any, eh? <laughs> so Someone, I'm going to say the president, please don't say that. <clears throat> okay, that ok. So, a tax collector, a tax collector is not a good guy. A tax collector is a fariah, he is a traitor, he is an extortionist, he is a money grabber, he is a thief, he is a criminal, he is a bad guy, he was despised by the Jews. He was the puppet of Rome to extort money from the Jews, taxes for the Romans, and some for him. And he was despised, and he was hated, and he was an aberration, and an embarrassment to the Jewish community. Jesus says to him, don't follow me. What? What? What did Peter say? Get away from me. I'm a sinful man. Does Christ have priority over your life? Doesn't mean you've got to stop your job. It might, but us it did. Somebody said to me, "God's called you to minister." I said, "No, no, no, he hasn't." Don't you tell me what God has called me to. But actually, he had. It would just be a question of time. He might not call you, but he's calling all of us, and he has priority over your life. Can somebody say Amen? Well, I'm going to go and live in England. I think it's a cool idea. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I remember when I was finished with all my girlfriends? Because I didn't know what I was doing because I was probably a little insecure and everyone had to have a girlfriend. God said, Are oh, you done now, Nick? And I said, I am. He said, Okay. Now that you're done, won't you ask me and I'll get you a great wife. And he did. I remember asking, Lord, I surrender. You have priority. You've gone so quiet. Actually, everything about Christ, He is the Master, He is the Lord, He is the Sovereign. And if you surrender to him and you give him priority, he will call you to amazing things. He said to Abraham, "Abraham, get out of Haran." What he just—you see—Abraham, greatness loomed around Abraham. It was just a moon worshiper, broken guy. The, the lights had gone out. No one called upon the name of the Lord. Everything of God had, had subsided to perhaps the voice of Seth, but actually it was, it was disastrous. In fact, if you go and read Genesis 1 to 11, it just gets worse and worse and worse until God walks around a moon worshiper and begins to speak with him. And he says this, to quote Keller, get thee out of Haran and I will bless you and I will make you into a blessing. And, and he says, leave your people Leave your father's household, leave your country, and go to a place I will show you. And God calls Abraham. The call starts in the very beginning, Genesis chapter 12. And once Abraham says, yes, once Abraham says, I trust you. Once Abraham says, I surrender to you, greatness visited him. Is the call of God crisp in your life? Are you working it out? Are you yielding more and more? the call of God in your life because if you do you get invited into an extraordinary story let my people go so that they might worship me they let them go the things that hold you let my people so what did Pharaoh say you know what Pharaoh said he said I'll tell you what you let the men go more plagues then Moses came back he said I'll tell you what okay let the men the women children go but let the cattle and let all the herd stay behind more plagues what did Moses say not a hoof is to stay behind in egypt i want my people to come out completely priority Now, friends understand that one needs to grow in the aspect of he has priority but if you don't know who he is you won't want to give him priority in your life but if you know who he is if you begin to you know this jesus grant spoke about utterly holy jesus completely holy but my struggle was he's holy, but he's like weak, you know? Jesus, weak. I want to serve this. I mean, I, I was, we were brought up strong. Durban High School, we used to have fights at lunchtime, bone-crunching fights. We were thugs. We used to go and mess up church parties. We were like, we were the money. We used to call ourselves. We were, we used to play rugby. We used to, we were like, don't give me this soft Jesus, man. Don't give me this insipid Jesus with wavy hair, a bit effeminate, this holy guy. I didn't do holy. I want to live, you know, I want to go to the army. and Actually, I didn't know who he was. Jesus. He says, my house will be called a house of prayer. You've made a den of thieves. He makes a whoop and he busts down some doors. He kicks over some tables. He gives some guys a jolly good whooping and says, get out of this house you've made into a den of thieves. I see him in the book of Revelation riding on a white horse, and he's going to make war with rebellious nations. That's what he said. No, I said, I said, hey, don't make war, Jesus, you know. But he will make war. Jesus is the rider on the white horse. He is utterly powerful, radical, strong, and he's also completely and totally holy. He is everything that anyone ever dreamed of, every man and every woman. The next thing that happens is proximity. Priority, proximity. He says, Matthew, let's just pick it up. Um, it just says, uh, Matthew got up and followed him in verse 10. When Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said, why does your teacher, don't even go to Jesus, he's a little bit nervous of him, he's edgy, he's busy making a whoop, I don't know, with tax collectors and sinners you never ate with tax collectors and sinners. You would never think of defiling yourself to take your bread and to dip it in a bowl with sinners and tax collectors. In fact, all the dietary laws, all the ceremonial laws had to do with separating yourself and being holy and not defiling yourselves with Canaanite nations, sinners, broken people. Here's Jesus, Messiah, son of God, Rabbi, healer, and he's eating with tax collectors and sinners. It is an insanity. Because if you touched somebody that was sick, if you ate with somebody that was not a, you could not eat with somebody that was not a Jew. You could not eat with a sinner. You could not eat with a Samaritan. You could not touch the utensils that the Samaritans cooked their food with because it was different. Jesus is touching lepers. Can I just read a a quote out of uh, Numbers chapter 5? Just so that you know how radical this is. This thing that Jesus is doing. I think it's Numbers chapter 5. Numbers chapter 5 verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, Command the Israelites to send away from the camp anyone who has an infectious skin disease. You cannot be in the camp of Israel if you have an infectious skin disease. Or a discharge of any kind, or who is ceremonially unclean because of a dead body. If you touched a dead body, you were ceremonially unclean. I mean, th- these laws. I'm just reading you because of time. Send away male and female alike. Send them outside the camp, so they will not defile the camp where I dwell among them. The Israelites did this. They sent them outside the camp, just as the Lord had instructed. Also, if you are leper. If you had a discharge of blood. What has Jesus done in Matthew chapter 8? There is a leper. What does he do with the leper? He touches the leper. What? The moment you touch a leper, the leper would walk around. Maybe Grant's preacher said, and he would have to shout. When he walk around, he would say, unclean, unclean. And the Jews would know there's a leper. You walk around him. He could not worship. He could not be in the house. He could not have Shabbos or Sabbath. He was unclean. He couldn't go to the temple. He had to be outside the camp. What does he do after he touches the leper? There's a woman with a discharge of blood. She is unclean. What does she do? She pushes through the crowd, and she goes and touches Jesus' garment. Makes him unclean again. You're going to read how many times the word touch happens in Matthew chapter 8 and 9. What happens to the blind man? He touches the blind man's eye. What happens to the dead girl? He goes in, takes her by the hand, and he says, arise. In all of these cases, Jesus is defiling himself. What did the Bible say? He bore our iniquities. He took up our infirmities. What Jesus is doing is he is, he is not contaminating. He is cleansing. If you touched a dead person, a leper, a sick person, you were contaminated. Jesus, as the Son of God, is not. What was the issue? You will be contaminated. You will be sick. He is now reversing that. And everyone he's touching, everyone he's eating with, he is cleansing. Where did Jesus die? Outside the camp. When he takes the leper's infirmity, when he takes the dead girl, the blind person, the woman with discharge of blood, he is taking all those sicknesses upon himself. He is. Taking all our brokenness, all our heartache, all my greed, all my hypocrisy, all of it. And he is chased outside the camp and he is smitten or bruised or broken for for my iniquity for my rubbish. So you see, he fulfills the law. But what he's doing, like Pac-Man, is he's going into all these communities and he is eating with people, but he is cleansing them. One of the great joys we have is to eat together. One of the great wonders of the scriptures is eating. Jesus kept on eating with people. In fact, Jesus said, I'm the very bread of life. In fact, he said, you, you can eat my body, you can drink my blood, which is a picture of receive me, eat me. Revelation chapter 19, the, the end picture is a great marriage feast. The parable in Matthew something Is the the parable could be 25. Is the parable of the wedding banquet, where a king prepares a banquet for his son Jesus. One of the great things that Katya and I have enjoyed is dining room Christianity. We eat together. In fact, when I met Katya, she didn't um, like cooking at all, and um, we we came from a, a, a home of hospitality. And uh, I remember Kati was saying, how do you boil frozen vegetables? And I thought, whoopsie. And uh, maybe it was a slight male-female old thing where the woman cooks and the man doesn't. But actually, whatever it was, I just remember thinking, um, "Okay, so Kati doesn't cook. Actually, what happened in our place was that God gave her the gift of hospitality. And early on in our marriage, people started gathering around our table. And I remember Katy used to get so stressed. Sorry, me talking about you like, I hope you don't mind, Katy. You might want to change the story, defend yourself. But she really used to get stressed out about having people around. But we began to have people around, and it was a stress. But something happened around our dining room table. In fact, I used to learn more around our dining room table when we invited leaders, friends. We used to host these big shots from all over the world, America, Australia, and we used to sit around the table, and we used to learn around the table. I mean, Sunday was good. I can't remember what happened on Sunday Sunday, but I'll tell you what, I can remember having extraordinary meals. I remember, in fact, Carol Nell taking a pudding um, at one New Year's Eve, I think it was, uh, what was it, a um, pavlova, you know what pavlova is? But cream and meringue and strawberries. And she picked it up and she rammed it into Rory's face. Do you remember that, Carol? And then all hell broke loose. It was meant to be heavenly. But that happened 20 years ago. With Carol at our house. And Matthew and Hannah and little tiny babies. There were extraordinary moments with Chris Venant and Ashley Bell and Rory Dyer and... A whole lot of people. God loves Jesus. Love to eat. You see, around the table, God fashions community. Why did he keep on eating with people? Why did he go to a wedding and turn water into wine? Celebration. Feast. Eating together. Actually, eating together is where when you eat with Christ, when you sup with him, when you eat with one another, you're forming a new community, a new society. And to this day, we had some Americans around... House the other day, two Americans came out with Alan Frau and they had a few meals at our house. You know, they that they came to church that that didn't impress them. In fact, the, the messages we got thank you so much for having us around your table. Do we have a special table? No, we don't have a special table. We have a we have Christ at our table. Why did Jesus eat with tax collectors and sinners? Because he actually emphatically believes. In eating together. What happens at a meal, even with your enemies? Gee, thank you so much for making a meal, uh, Nick or Kati or Michelle. Thank you so much for cooking. What is this? I know this is a Pavlova or this is a, a tandoori chicken, or how did you make this 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 little chili dish? And there's a great sense of you open your heart around a table. Amen? Somebody talk to me. You 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 there's something of honor, there's something of humility, there's something of we might even differ on who is the Messiah, but man, we're eating together and we're fellowshipping together and into that place Jesus comes. You need to finish the story. In fact, go and look at all the meals. Go and look at the Last Supper. Go and look at the sense of the banquet. God loves, Jesus loves eating together. Priority, proximity. Bring. You know when you know that you're called, when you bring Jesus home and you invite your friends? That's when you know you're called. You see, Matthew knew he was called because what he did is he, he, ma- he got all his mates. He said, what's happening? No, we're having a bash tonight. You mean like wine and beer and we're going to have a bit of, you know. Man, citizen tax collectors would have been a bit edgy. Some of the ladies would have been dressed a little bit seductively perhaps. There would have been some hip dancing, you know. Have you ever been to those Middle Eastern hip things? They're quite edgy. I've been to a couple I mean why do you think they would have said, Go no, take off all your regalia and don't do your belly dance and all that, Jesus No, no, no. Actually, probably not. Probably not. Because Jesus turned water into wine and they'd already drunk quite a bit. Not advocating drunkenness. But when you prepare to invite your friends and Christ to the same meal, means actually something's happening in your life. It means the call of God is in. It means I've got to introduce my mates to this one. In fact, said, guess what? She said to us the other day, guess what? I said, I, I, I can't guess what. She said, no, guess what? I said, I don't guess what well. She said, our neighbors, she said to me on Friday, have agreed to come and have supper with us. She's so excited that our neighbors, who aren't believers, are coming to have a meal at our house. Well done, Cathy believers, in fact, if I'm not mistaken, don't believe in God, the one, at all, at all, but there's a, why are you having a meal with your neighbors, because something at our table, his name is Jesus, we are the body of Christ, we want, in fact, the, the neighbor, his brother just died, didn't know what to do about it. brother died, no memorial, no funeral, empty, there's a casket, what do we do, don't know what to do, no, we don't believe in anything, actually broken. Wept and wept and wept. Successful though, wept and wept. Suddenly, the reality hit him. our brother's died, got knocked over or something. Got knocked over by a car, we buy it, brought the body home. Now we don't believe in God, we rejected God. God doesn't exist. Very nice people, but they come in to have a meal. How do we introduce them? To the one who has called us. Still there? Why don't we preach you for granted? Priority. Proximity. Sometimes you get tired of walking with Jesus. What? Tired of the Bible. Tired of church. Tired of Christians. Who doesn't? Tired of preaching. That's my job. I've got to preach a lot. I prepared the whole of yesterday. I got zip. Preparing, preparing, preparing. And he said, you're still preparing. I think I prepared just about the whole day. Watched a little bit of tennis or rugby. Got up this morning. To try to That's my job. Easy to get tired. Then suddenly, life comes. Suddenly, you feel, I got it, I got it, I got it. <laughs> Is Jesus close to you? Sometimes you, you mess up and you say, actually, Lord, I messed up. I'm sorry, but I am you. I was saying to the guys I was paddling in uh, Mauritius the other day by myself, long paddle, and every, I just thought through all the books of the Bible and where Jesus was. I was just going through Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, just going through the books and thinking, where, where are you, Jesus? And by the time I'd finished thinking and dreaming, and just my mind was alight with thoughts about my Messiah, Jesus, I don't know how many kilometers across. I thought that was like, I was in heaven, man. There's other days where you're down. But I want, I want you close, Lord. Don't feel like it all the time, but approximately. Okay? Lastly, power. Are going to live the dream or are you going to, what's the dream? Jesus is our dream. Um... When hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy needed doctor, but the sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I've come to call, I've come to call, I've not come to call the righteous, but I've come to call sinners. Interesting thing is, righteous people resist Christ. Sinners always say yes. Righteous people have an aversion to God. Righteous people look down their long noses and just judge all day. But, this is what Christ is calling for. He's not calling for sacrifice. Because they said, hey, listen, Mr. Jesus, we've done our sacrifices. We've tithed. We've brought our goats. We've brought our pigeons. We've brought our doves. We've brought our bulls. We've gone to the fe- uh, the feast of bread and, the feast of, and, and all the festivals three times a year. We've done all this. So don't tune us, okay? Don't tune me because we've lived properly. And he said, you know what? You're missing out on life. In fact, they saw Jesus touching lepers. They saw Jesus eating with sinners. And they said, actually... You're no good. But Jesus said, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Mercy means he wants us to go out and be kind to people. He doesn't want us to say, you owe me, God, because I have sacrificed. Actually, what did David say? Have mercy on me, O God, for I'm a sinful Okay. Let me, let me say this. God's power awaits you, awaits you where he's called you. Okay? write that down. You can. For remember it. Probably the most important thing I'm going to say. God's, you see, what we did as the charismatic Christians, and many of you are not in that, but some of you come out of it, is what we did is we thought we could call God's power, and I looked at all the scriptures yesterday about God's power. What we do is we think we can call God's power where we need it. But actually, God's power awaits you where He calls you. So let's say this is my call. This is where God has called me. I put a circle around it so it's a table. Now here I am. Now as he says, okay, I have... I'm called you, follow me. What happens is, as I walk into my core, God's power goes there. What we tend to do is we say, okay, God, bring your power here. God, bring your presence here. God, we want you to do this. We've even gone so far as to say, okay, power of God, come now upon this thing. We start to command God's power. We start to call God's power. Because we are charismatics, charisma, power, gifts. But actually, why don't you look at scriptures and see that where God calls you, his power comes automatically. So what happened to Abraham? He was a barren man. He could produce no children. His wife was barren. When God called him, he produced, him and Sarah produced a son. And what, what does the Bible say? It says the, the man, the, and they also had another son out of, out of wedlock, which was a bad idea. It said the son born in the natural way Persecutes the son born by the power of the Spirit. Where God calls you is where the power is. So it could even be hospitality. Let's say you have a gift of hospitality. You have a gift. You'll see God's power. It doesn't mean the chandeliers are going to rattle. It doesn't mean that the bread will just pop out of nowhere. It doesn't mean that the water will go to wine. It means that Christ will be at the table. So what happened to Moses? Moses dialed out. You know, have you ever seen people dial out? Moses had a passion. God saw him as a little lighting floating on the river. He said, No ordinary child. He did a whole thing. Moses had this dream. He grew up in Pharaoh's courts. He had this thing about persecute people. He struck a guy, killed him, tried to sort out among his brothers. His brother said, Who raised you up as a judge in our midst? And so, so Moses leaves. And he goes in. Hangs in the desert. He marries a Kushite woman, Ethiopian woman from Ethiopia. He's, he's out of the covenants. He's no longer in Pharaoh's courts. He's a refugee. He's dialed out. Don't call me. My phone's off, God. Just tending sheep in Midian. And God appears to him in a fire. The fire's burning. What's happening? God is calling him. He takes his he says, take your sandals off because the place where you're standing is holy ground. It's sacred. And then God speaks to him and he says to him, now go. As soon as Moses fulfills his call, what happens? God's power visits him. So much so that when Moses gets all the plagues, all the, all the stuff. Actually, when Moses gets to the Red Sea and he's like shivering. And God says, well, why are you shivering? Just stretch out your staff, bro. No, don't, don't, don't cry. Just stretch out your staff. That little staff he had at the burning bush. To stretch out your staff, and as he stretched out the staff, the power of God splits the sea in two. In fact, David wasn't called to the ceremony, but God had a call in his life, and so they said, "Do you have another son?" And the guy says, "Yeah, we've got one, l- lot lamaki, one lighty left, but he's not your guy." Jesse says to Samuel, "You know, they're all shivering because Samuel's there, because he wants to anoint somebody, he wants to call somebody." And then, and then Samuel said, Well, we won't sit down until this little 17 year old. Anybody 17 in the room? Yeah, we're an old bunch, eh? Color, mind you? No, no, no. 17. This man, Samuel, is a numzan, friends. He is a big hitter. We won't sit until the 17 year old boy comes. Shepherd boy. Probably got dirt in his face, smells like sheep. Stands there. Samuel pours oil on him. What does the Bible say? The Spirit came upon him in power. Where God calls you is where God's power awaits you. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. That's my call. My call is to love Cutty like Christ loved the church. When I do that, do you know what I experience? Do you know what we experience? That God paid love in our marriage. We experience, Cutty and I experience, yeah, listen to me, ordinary, ask our kids. Some of the table I think, oh, mom and dad are a little bit rusty with each other. You know, like, like not 100 grit paper, 40 grit, very rough, you know, they're a bit. bats but, but, when I love Kati and I, like Christ of the church, I ex- we experience God's agape love, which is the supernatural love, which is God's power. What about Esther, the beauty queen? She's an orphan girl. She's just, her dad's died, and Mordecai says, okay, come on, God. She grows up very pretty. In fact, not just pretty, she becomes beautiful. So beautiful, God says, I have need of you. Esther, a Hebrew girl, she's got to go to a Persian king. Imagine the stress of making yourself beautiful for a Persian king. Unclean king. A eh? Canaanite king. This is a Jewish girl. She doesn't want to mess around with some king, some Persian king. But she, she is called, because of her beauty, To be queen, because Vashti's clowning around, so she becomes... And what is her job? Her job, her call, is to save an entire nation. You know how powerful you've got to be to do that? You've got to walk in God's power. And on that day that Haman is his name, he's trying to destroy Israel. Vashti, I mean, Esther, the queen, Jewish girl, orphan girl, listening to her uncle. For God has raised her for such time as this, and and if you don't do it, he's going to raise up somebody else. Go to the king and appeal on Israel's behalf. And she touches the tip of his scepter and she gets her way and she saves a nation. Mary, the power of God came upon her because she knew what the call of God was in her life. What does she say? God called her. What does she say? Be it to me according to your will. Just be it to me according to your will. Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God comes upon her and Christ is formed in her. You know where the power of God is? It's where God has called you. It's where the power of God is. Has He called you? First of all, are you prepared to get into a bigger story than your own? You say, well, if God heals me, I'll come. If God sorts out my messed up personality, no, no, forget all that. I'm a bit depressed, or I'm a bit manic, or I'm a bit, what? I'm a bit skittish, or I'm awkward, man. I'm like, you you don't know what I'm like. I'm just going to mess this thing up. No, no. Get involved in the bigger story. Accept the call of God in your life. Surrender to the call. I'll follow you. I'll follow you, Lord. Involve them in your intimate meals. You see, if we eat with Jesus and then we don't get drunk, it's so unhealthy. The eating place is a sacred place. Involve believers around your table. Don't show dualism. And then experience the power of God where God has called you. Perhaps last night, for Bevan and Fay, they sent something of actually this is what God has called us to do. God has called us to help people receive the anointing, to help people experience the Holy Spirit. That is you know you know how huge it is to see people weep before God. Job done. Whoever prepared this table, it was Josie. That is important. That is the call of God. Whoever, Garth and the guys, you hear, going, nye, 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 that's the call of God. Perhaps you can write out a check. It was my privilege as a younger man to be able to write out checks, larger checks. Probably the, I was able as a young man to write out checks and say, there it is, for the kingdom of God. It influenced Glenridge by God's grace. That's your call. Our mom and older woman was called to facilitate a church part. Where God calls you is where God's prowess. So there is an invitation to a great story. Can I pray for us? What's crackling inside of your heart? What, is, what do you feel God has called you to? Are you... Have you have you gone back? Are you backsliding? You know, actually, I've tried this thing, bro. You, you, I've been in church a long time. You don't understand, you know. You, are you at the beginnings of your journey with Him? What is what is what is the deal in your life? Where where are you in terms of of understanding? Actually, God, please invite me. I want to participate in this big story. Remind me of my call, God. What have you called me to? What gifts have you put inside of me? Put your spirit upon me, God, that I could touch the leper and not be contaminated. Eat with sinners and not backslide. Help me to surrender to what I want all the time, where I want you to show your power, where I want you to be. And I I yield to that and I go to where you want me to be because that's the place where you live. You think of Israel, Lord, you called them out of Egypt into the promised land, away from Pharaoh. And we think, Lord, how Israel wants you to go back all the time. How Israel said, we want to go back to Egypt with the leeks and the stews we want to go back into captivity. We think of the King Saul who was insecure and kept on having a problem with those that did better than him and backslid and listened to the people instead of listening to you and, and made sure everyone was happy and so was he himself fell. So we think of the Apostle Paul who said, What must I do? What have you called me to? And Lord, you put your spirit upon Paul the Apostle and he experience your power in the most extraordinary way. So Lord, I just ask for us this morning. I ask for your story. I ask you for the big picture. I ask you for the meals. I ask you for the call of God. I ask you for the power of God. I ask you that you would invite us once again into the big story. We lay aside all our wants and our needs and our so-called greeds we don't even know. And I want to do this and I'm independent and I'm going to this in my life but we follow you jesus we're not telling you what we're doing we're listening to what you're calling us to because therein lies eternal life true life we're not asking you to bless our little endeavors we're saying we want to be a blessing to you christ we're not self-absorbed and self-consumed we are dazzled by you we are incredibly transfixed by your gaze I thank you that you died on the cross for us Lord I thank you that you went outside the camp that we could be healed that we could experience you so that we ourselves exchange our defilement for your consecration and your purification so Lord I, I, I include myself in this prayer visit us Holy Spirit speak to us living God call us again remind us Lord take off every shackle and every hindrance that sits upon us and I think that we can dance and be free God and enjoy you Lord and grow and uh, just grow in actually purity grow in effectiveness, grow in love grow in mercy Lord grow in worship, grow in maturity Lord grow in being useful to the King perhaps you just want to stand with me for a moment I'm going to hand over to Grant for, for a second but maybe just stand with me as we stand before Christ and you think of that last supper that meal that you had Lord where you broke bread with the disciples and you commissioned them and you called them and you washed their feet perhaps you say actually you know my feet are dirty I've been walking on this earth and I'm a Christian but I got all dirtied with the world I'm sort of I'm dusty my feet are dusty let Jesus wash your feet this morning actually no I get I get tripped up in the world I I get angry I get I do bad stuff I just I mess things up but actually I'm a believer that's why he said no no actually your body's clean but your feet the dust has got to you this earth has got to you let him wash your feet Perhaps you're struggling in your marriage let him heal you let the agape love come thank you Lord for your power thank you Lord for your promises Thank you, Lord, that you're raising up a new community here. Something new, something fresh, something different. Mature this house, God. Let this tree grow. Let her bud. Let her fruit, Lord Jesus. Let her come into her own. Let her be a strong tree, Lord, with good fruits in Jesus' name. Let let her live, Lord Jesus. Let her bear. Let her multiply. Let churches come from this church. Let leaders arise. Let elders and deacons and prophets and evangelists and Mary's and Phoebe's and Deborah's arise from this church Lord we praise you God surprise us with who you're going to call and who you're going to use in this church God welcome you Holy Spirit into our hearts and lives thank you for those that were just moved last night. Hearts were touched, they were moved. Thank you for that, Lord. Use some of those. Remind us, Lord, what you said to us, I pray. Raise up a radical and a robust people, Lord, to surge forward, Lord. Lions and lionesses at this time, God, to advance your kingdom, Jesus.